right, nice job. Good set. Let's do some social kick. Welcome back to another episode of the Social Kick Podcast. I'm Brian Lundquist. We got a full crew today: Dr. John Mullen, Luke Paddington, and Caitlin Sandina. What's up, Caitlin? Hey guys, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. It's Christmas time in your household. It really is. My family does not mess around when it comes to Christmas. I had to like hold myself back for not putting this up before Thanksgiving. Like when I got back from Budapest, I'm like, hey, can I decorate the house yet? My husband's like, can we please get past Thanksgiving? So day after Thanksgiving, this was up. <laughs> one of those. I was battling a uh, Christmas tree traffic because there's a bunch of Christmas tree farms. I live in the mountains in Santa Cruz. Oh. And, like everybody's, <laughs> it's crazy. It was like, it's beach traffic, but it was Christmas. I'm very envious of that to tell you the truth. That's like a, when it's like very hallmark show of you to be like, oh, I live by all these Christmas tree farms. <laughs> now you're just showing <laughs> off of my eyes. <laughs> well, Speedo, how about, we got to talk about this. So Speedo missed their uh, Christmas present because Dressel did not go under 20 point. But did you think he was going to go under? Okay, I have to be completely honest. I have been super... I haven't been very active on social media recently. It's been really nice to take a break from it. So I saw like a little bit of it yesterday. I'm like, what is this all about? So no, I haven't been following, but then it, it, it intrigued me. And I'm like, oh, I'll have to follow up to see if he breaks 20. What did he go? John? Two 20.4s. Went 20.4 two times. It was horrible. I am very upset. I watched it and very frustrated with it because like – what you were saying, I got pretty excited. They did some pretty good teasers and built this up quite a bit. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know why it wasn't live. I don't know why the suit didn't fit him well. I don't know why they didn't just make the pool 40 meters so he broke the 20. Who cares? It's not sanctioned. He's wearing a suit. Let him go 19.1 and have some excitement with it. Luke, I don't care about it. Why did he do it? It wouldn't count as a world record. He went 20.1, what, three weeks ago. He had a suit on. And as soon as I found out he was doing 70K this week, you got to do 70K with, under Greg Troy and then try and do our best time. I don't what care. did he do with the day after ISL then? He was well, obviously on it. I mean, you know what? Like, my first reaction though was it's like, oh, good, he is human. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it makes him a little bit more relatable. I'm, and I'm like, oh my God, this guy is insane. You know what I mean? And I, I swam with Phelps and it's like, I've been around for a while. And then I'm like, Caleb just blows my mind. So I will say, I'm like, oh, okay. He, he, he does have his off days or he isn't, you know, the superhero every time he, he pulls in. So I'm refreshed by this. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just laughing because it's like, you know, the that suit was the super suit. And then the whole next year, it was like the, the has been that nobody wanted this like discard and it's like how did it go from the best suit ever that broke all these world records to wait all these suits are way better and then now it's back in the limelight like i'm i'm in the camp where they should have put him in a jacket suit to it's funny because i feel like when i start talking about the suits that i raced in that's when i really start aging myself you're a paper suit yeah yeah yeah, yeah, you were in like original fast skin shark skin. Yes, shark skin when I like was still like pretty young. Um, but yeah, stuff to your ankle, the one that zipped up your back. I mean, and then in 04, I was a Nike athlete, and I don't know if you guys remember, I had like that rubber yep. around red, it, like, that rubber thing on it, like it would cut into my neck. And I, I hated that suit. The, I mean, they're they're hard. They're, just putting on that suit was harder than my actual 400 IM. Okay, like <laughs> this dress level was higher for that. Like bloody knuckles, like uh, skin off of it, you know. But I mean, they they, they were fast though. I will say that. <laughs> I so we had we got the jacket suits in 2009. Um, Fred Bisquet had just broken the world record of the 50 free, and he came back. And there was this guy Rafa Munoz who. Uh, was the best 50 butterfly in the world at the time by half a second, like 22.4, way faster than anybody. And um, <clears throat> Fred, uh, he, had, he had just broken the world record in the 50 fly. And before Fred broke the 50 free, he had this red jacket suit and he comes and tosses it to Fred and he goes, here, take the Ferrari for a spin. Ah. And then Fred goes 20 point and the 50 free, it's like, whoa. whoa <laughs> so we did all we could to get suits and I ended up getting nine jacket suits before NCAAs. And then that was at Texas A&M. I was on staff at the time and I just sat in the locker room the whole meet and was like helping guys. It's like take off suits, dry them off, put them on the next guy. I mean, 
Yeah, it was nuts. I remember being giddy the first time I wore one of those, like literally laughing on a Friday afternoon for me going 19 and season was crazy. But... How does athlete protection fit in with you drying off guys? <laughs> Again, he's dating himself. Okay, so how if you had to put together a trade deal, what would you trade to get Caleb Dressel? Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I yourself. <laughs> I, I like honestly. Let's be for real here. No, I mean he's he's surreal. Like he truly yeah. blows my mind. Um, it was funny. I kept getting asked a lot over there, and just kind of afterwards, like when I got home, people are like, "Okay, is he better than Michael Phelps?" I'm like, "That's a really interesting question," because it's mm-hmm. like. Michael, let's just say, even though he could do the 100, he's 200 and up, right? 200s, 200s, 200s. He even threw down those 400s and what. Um, and not to say he can't, couldn't do 100s, but, I mean, Dressel, not that he can't do 200s, but he's 100s and downs. So that makes you the fastest man on the planet, right, because you're a sprinter. Um, I mean, to imagine them racing in their heyday at the same time, I mean, that would have been rad. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm sure you guys are getting asked that a lot. My kids asked me yesterday, I said, you know, Dressel is, is racing this thing and he's the fastest man in the world. But daddy, wasn't, isn't Phelps the fastest oh, woman in the world? Uh, <laughs> my kids asked me that yesterday to your point. That's interesting. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's like the whole thing, like, how do you compare? And even just talking about the suits, like what Michael was wearing and then what Caleb's yeah. wearing. And, you know, um, I don't know. It would be interesting to have that back in the day or presently. I bet Michael could make a comeback. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give him, uh, give him uh, six months; he'll be good to go. Yeah, but, yeah, it, yeah, it's such an interesting topic. I think you know, without getting into it too much, I think Dressel's the more exciting swimmer, just because, like you said, the fastest swimmer, so mm-hmm. explosive off, off the block, um, mm-hmm. and does I think more the you know user friendly or friend friendly races. But I think Phelps better swimmer still. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. do you have? Well, one of the things that makes him so unique is how, and I remember thinking this <clears throat> the. I never got to see Dressel up close or, or Phelps really that much, but I did uh, somebody meet with Lochte and was on a team with him and like watching him at, at a short course world, just be able to get out of one event and then go right into the next 15 minutes of rest. Right. Didn't have anything to do, but just sit on his ankles and get ready to like, you know, pop a different event. And it's like the, the, like Caleb shares that same characteristic as Phelps and Lochte did it, being able to just like do it again and again and again and all at world-class speed and all really, really consistent. Right. And that's something that I'm not sure that you can just train for it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that his training is great, but you don't just train for that. And some of that is genetic and, and he's got it. And I think that that's, I don't know, is that sort of, I mean, shoot, you're a GM for a sport that's like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Is that something that you're looking for in athletes? Well, it's interesting. It's, I think, you know, as a GM or just as an athlete and I did coaching after I was done swimming, it's like, you can look at an athlete and you can almost see it in their eyes if they have it or they don't, you know, it's, it's confidence, it's fire, it's up for the challenge. It's the lack of self doubt. And even being a GM with these elite athletes, I mean, I see the difference between someone's like, yeah, I can do it. I can do it Four events. Yeah, I can do it. And other summers like, Ooh, those are really close together. Uh, I'm already swimming too. And I'm like, dude, I need you to step up. Like, you know what this league is like, you know, how many swimmers we have and how many events there are, you know, they it's lopsided. Like you have to swim a lot. Like you're not valuable to come on my team to swim one or two events. You need to swim like two events a day at least. Um, and, and I just think it's, it's, um, it's mentality, it's attitude, it's confidence, um, and it's something you just can't teach. It's like when I was playing soccer, my soccer coach used to always put me in when there was a penalty kick. And he's like, because Caitlin has ice water in her veins. That was just something I was born with. Like I wasn't phased by that. I didn't get nervous. I, I, li- I like that. I, I thrived off of that. And I think that is an athletic quality of world-class athletes. You either have that or you don't. And I don't think you can really teach that. I think coaches can promote it and encourage it and nurture it, but they can't give it to you. You have to have it. And ultimately what it really backpedals to is I think it happens when you're really young, because I think it's how you're raised. Like I was raised 
feeling unconditionally loved, no matter what my athletic abilities turned out. If I was first, mm-hmm. last, you know, DQ'd, broken record, like I was loved the same. It wasn't like, oh, Caitlin swam really well today. We love her so much. Oh, Caitlin didn't swim well. Like mm-hmm. she's walking home. You know what I mean? So it's like, I wasn't like afraid to let anybody down. I wasn't afraid that, you know, if I don't swim my best, I'm not going to be worthy of, of love. And I think, you know, I always felt that unconditional love from my parents and never pressure from my parents. So I just got up and threw down like at any type of like athletic type of endeavor. Like I was a huge tomboy and total athlete growing up. So it wasn't just swimming, like anything across the board, like even playing like cards or like matching games. I was like super competitive, like throwing stuff down and like, you know what I mean? I was like really into it. So I just think that's, it's, it's something that you're born with and that's developed at a very young age. But you know what, when, when people like you do that, or when Caleb does this, uh, Zach talked about this on, on a recent show, it, it helps helped him get confidence to do that and to realize it can be done. Yeah. You know, it's breaking the barriers and doing that. So, so it helped grow him. I mean, I would never thought in my day you could swim three races in an hour. It's, you don't do that. You know, and now people are doing three races in 25 minutes. And now that gives you the confidence like, huh, really, that can happen? Well, that's not what I read, but I see it. And so it's definitely you guys are helping to grow the sport as well, doing this fabulous stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a mentality, right? So our right. sport has never showed that you do that. I mean, college swimming kind of gets there, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, I was I was on a club team where we went to meets and we swam three to four meets, uh, oh, sorry, events a day. Like it wasn't just like one or two, like we swam the max all the time. So when you start breaking these barriers or these traditional uh, meet lineups, like you said, it's like, well, somebody else can do it, you can do it, you right. know? And, um, and, and I think now ISL is a sport where you're not just going to shave and taper like once a year, like come ready to race and win some freaking money. Like we're trying to build up that side of the sport. Like we're trying to help you with this financial opportunity. Like, like shave your face. You know, it's like, you know, I had Zach Harding on my team and I love Zach, but he did not prep until what? And I was just like, respectful. Everybody has their different game plan. And finally I'm like, so you think you might shave? Like, you know, and, and his teammates same. And then he, he did it for the last meet and he did great, but it's like, dude, you think if you would have done that for your other meets, like you probably would have paid rent for the next three months, you know? So, and again, it's a mentality. It's, we need to change the culture. Like I had a great talk with Zach Apple after, you know, season two and what it means for season three is like, people need to know that like you come prepared to throw down. This isn't like, Oh, I'm going to train through this. Like, no, I mean, if we want to be competitive, DC tried it wants to get better. Like this is your coming at your best capacity to race fast. It's so funny to think about other sports. We observe professional athletes being lazy or, you know, just clearly, um, you know, not making the most of the opportunity. And it's easy for us on the outside to go, oh, you're making so much money there. Like, what a huge opportunity. There's so many people vying for this spot to maximize on it. And it's funny to think about, especially those of us that have been, all of us have been around elite swimming, to, to, you know, imagine yourself in that role, you don't really think about yourself as, you know, a high-end professional. You you out of all of us the most, for sure, and, and maybe you do, but I can imagine somebody like Zach Harding, like, not really recognizing the, not to call him out, I don't know him, but, like, yeah. not necessarily recognizing or thinking about the huge opportunity that this is, and honestly, the message that it sends, too, to, you know, up-and-coming swimmers, uh, assuming that we've got some fandom that's building around the sport. Right, right. And I didn't, I didn't want, I, I was treading really lightly on that because I'm trying to be very respectful of, A, it was a crazy year, right? Yeah. B, we don't know about the Olympics. We, we don't know. I mean, we're, we're assuming it's going forward, but we can't assume anything now. We can even assume like tomorrow I can leave my sure. house, you know? So I wanted to be respectful that people are trying to prepare for what they think is the Olympic games. Right. And so that was obviously what it was at in mind. And a lot of us, a lot of Zach's not the only summer. It's just because the facial hair sure. oh, yeah, yeah. Um, comparison uh, example. And so after whatever happens this next summer Olympic games and with ISL, it's like the, you guys don't have to prepare for another Olympics for another four years. You're going to come. And it's like, I would have loved that. Imagine not having to get your ass kicked every single workout, like 11 months out of the year. You're like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to rest for this. Me. I'm going to rest for ISL me. I'm going to rest for this camp. camp. You know, hard work, rest, hard work, rest. Like, heck yeah. Sign me up. I mean, I just think your body is going to recover more. You're going to be fresh and be excited. You're going to be energized. Um, I just think this really, this concept of ISL swimming, I think will keep 
swimmers more fresh into the sport. Cause let's be honest, the sport gets very draining and very taxing and very tiring and the burnout rate. I mean, let's like for being truthful as swimmers, I mean, we've all experienced that and anybody listening is like, Oh yeah, there's plenty of times where I wanted to, you know, to give up. And when do we get excited when it's taper time, you know? And so if you can have more taper times, I just think across the board, just the, the swimming concept is just going to be um, more exciting and, just more fresh, really. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, if you want to, I mean, swimming burnout is huge with injuries and all these types of things. So when we're looking at it and just creating a fun environment where, like you said, people can swim fast, they can go best times, they can be tapered. I think that's going to be huge yeah. um, with athletes that are post-college. A lot of times they don't have a training group. They're not sure what they're going to do next. So this yeah. gives them that team, the the, the other athletes around them in similar spots to learn from, to grow from, and to have that continued excitement just to keep that fire burning. Because we all know with elite athletes, a lot of times around 28 to 32 is when you can peak. And we're starting to see older swimmers in, in the game. But obviously that is still happening and transitioning over time where we might be able to still get the best out of some of these elite swimmers if we can keep them interested in the sport. Absolutely. And I love what you said about the training groups, because that was a big thing. Again, obviously, 2020 was a very bizarre year. Some people were training by themselves, backyard pools, et cetera, et cetera, with not a lot of uh, teammates. And that was a reoccurring theme that we had at camp. Like, I'm just so grateful to be training with people. I'm so grateful to have mm -hmm. a, a team again. I'm so grateful that I could do a team cheer or relays. Everything kind of came back to not feeling alone and isolated and um, going about this mission like by yourself. And so when we are all together in this bubble, I mean, we were, I mean, it was incredibly run. It was very strict. And, you know, DC Trident had to train with DC Trident. Like, for mm -hmm. example, I had Drew Loy on my team. Like, oh, can I go train with Caleb? It's like, no, I'm sorry. I know he's your training mate right now. And Caleb's like, please. I was like, no, like this is the rules. But Drew, you have Zach Apple that will keep you in check. You know, like you have other amazing people to train with on our team. Mm -hmm. And so just having that environment with this ISL setup, if we continue to do these camp um, scenarios, which I'm sure we would for at least 2021, um, is that opportunity to be in this incredible training environment with 31 other athletes. I mean, there's no other post-grad team that has 31 people on a team, right? And being able to train with this common goal, I just think that's really sur surreal for, again, keeping the burnout in the back and keeping it fresh and keeping people energized. It's just the actual training environment and opportunities. If there's one team that I was pretty certain would be, we could handle this five, six weeks in this environment and not have that mental struggle and depression would be you guys. This is the culture I, I knew you guys went into. We spoke to Bob and yourself and Cindy and stuff. Um, but surely it still took a toll, even though all the work that you did. I mean, I'm sure on week five, the people still have, have issues, right? You want to talk about that? Even though you made a concert effort to be happy. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a really, really good point. Um, I was, I was really worried about the mental state of our athletes going into this camp, being that it was going to be, we knew at least five weeks. So I was planning for six. Like I was like, all right, hubby, see you in six weeks. Um, the things that we had been hearing about the NBA bubble, that these athletes were getting really bored and had nothing to do. And all they were doing was playing video games all day. And they had a sports, a sports psychologist there, like checking on them daily. I was like, oh man, like we need to be really on top of our athlete's mental state during this. Absolutely. So we get there and that was like something like that. I talked about our first meeting, like I'm gonna be checking in on you guys. Just like if there's anything that, you know, is not going well mentally, physically, like you need to speak up, be honest. And like, I'd be checking on our swimmers like, oh, this is great. I don't want to go home. This is awesome. Like, and every week it almost got even better. Like they were getting more into a groove, more into a routine, um, more into like knowing their teammates more. So that was more fun and just like more inside jokes. And then they started like um, meeting, meeting up and playing poker together. And you know what I mean? Like it was almost like the longer we were there, the stronger we were getting as a unit, as a team and like the team culture, the morale, the spirit. But the racing schedule was hard. I mean, we had the two meets, the first meet and the second meet where we had like a good break. And then it was like, brrr, you know, and I was like, I was at uh, our third meet, I think, third, third meet first day. I was like, oh, damn, like get them to the warm down pool. Like it was it, it was getting there and they were, they were on it. Like, Kayla, I'm so tired. I'm like, I get it. Like, I, I get it. This is a hard schedule, but also I'm a distance swimmer. I'm like, come on, suck it up. You know, like, <laughs> um, but I would say as far as team morale and spirit, 
that was at a high the whole time through. But there was a meet like um, that we didn't swim very well in the morning. You can kind of feel like we felt a little um, defeated, but I'm not even joking. Like day two, like we were up and ready to go. Like it was like that day didn't happen. I was really proud of them the way they turned it around. They swim so much better the second day. And one of our meets was on Halloween and they all got silly and fun and funky. And, you know, it, it was a really, really positive environment. So how, how did you maintain that? Because like one of your key athletes got really sick and performed way below his his level, you know, uh, your captain, he because he, he did well. And how did he manage to separate his personal disappointments, perhaps, to put the team ahead? That's remarkable for, for Giles. That that was hard. And and Giles was open about it, you know, because I would text him. I wasn't going near him. I was texting him, you know, to see like how he was doing. And I could feel it in his text, but he was always very team first and team centered. And that's just the leader he is. That's the human being that Giles is. Um, but he, he was itching to be out there. It was really hard on him. It really was. And then even when he was starting to feel better, he's like, well, I still don't feel really like I should be around the team yet. You know, like he was always thinking team team, team, team. Um, and, you know, it, it was challenging. I mean, we had a lot of swimmers that didn't feel good. Um, and other, and, and it was on other teams as well. Um, but I think too, we were fortunate that nobody on our team tested positive. So we didn't have anybody locked in their room for 14 days. You know, that I think is when the mental side would have probably gotten a little bit more challenging. I mean, granted, we were grateful that we had balconies, um, but I'm talking to one of the guys that's on the production team and he has to quarantine in Australia right now. And he's like eight days in and he, no fresh air, windows that don't open, no balcony. Like he's losing his mind, you know? So we were well taken care of in our scenario with balconies, fresh air. Um, you know, we didn't get to leave a lot, but we didn't have anybody that got stuck in their room for 14 days because I couldn't imagine what that would be like. Hey. Hey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I killed your segue. We got to blow That's my segue. Is Gary coming on? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys blow it. You guys blow it. Just blown. <laughs> I chose the wrong one. Yeah. Culture is good. Um, but I mean, how do you measure success? Because obviously, you know, bottom half of the league uh for two years um what do you what do you feel like the team needs to do going forward what's like you know kind of itching uh at you having observed like okay so we made it through a season we boosted the morale i mean you had some losses like it'd be great to have katie for more than a meet after last year lost Siobhan. So yeah. What, what are your, like, what's on your agenda? Though? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I'm a very competitive person and I, um, I've, I try to handle, um, our ninth place finish with grace. Um, but yeah, no, that doesn't sit, that doesn't sit well with me. You know, um, it was a huge blow losing Siobhan. Don't get me started. Um, it was really hard to lose Andreas. Um, obviously not having Katie there was tough. Um, you know, Cody had to step out kind of last minute as well. We lost, four Australian swimmers about three, four weeks out as well. Like, and I don't want to make up all these excuses, but when we did have our roster together, it was a stronger roster. Um, and then just because of 2020 and different circumstances and what we need to do supporting, you know, these, these athletes, um, we had to let it be what it was be. And, you know, we had some scrambling, like picking up athletes last minute to come. Um, some of them stepped up great for us. And quite frankly, some of them didn't. Um, you know, you have people like Zach Apple that I was so blown away by. I think Jacob Pebley swam incredible, obviously Amy Bilquest, Linnea mm -hmm. Mack. Um, and then we, we had some athletes that, yeah, they weren't getting first or second, but they were strong and like yeah, consistent, like Bethany Gallet, like yeah. consistent and yeah, yeah. anything we wanted them to. So yeah, moving on, looking forward, I want a stronger team, obviously, but I also have I, I could only do so much the first two seasons. You know, I was the last GM that came into it the first season. Um, most of the teams were already determined. Um, you know, Lenny's team was pretty much set. Jason's team was pretty much set. I would say Tina and I came in about the same time, but Tina really was going kind of like as the international athletes. So, yeah, we were kind of like the C team with the, the Americans. And then that already – that that carried over to season two, right? Because who's, who's the D team? What's who's that? The D team? Who's the D team? The D team? 
You said you were the C team. Who's the D team? Well, I mean, I was saying within like the Americans because oh, this team was breakers are predominantly international swimmers, right? There's like two or three Americans on there. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Uh, so you know, and then so season one carried over to season two. So Jason got predominantly the Cali Condors. Lenny got the majority of his LA current back. Um, and even in the recruiting process, right? It's like, well, Jason and I would call some of the same athletes that were coming out of college. And it's like, yeah, they want to go some for Cali Condors. They're way better than DC tried it, right? They want to be on those strong relays. They want to be on this team that they know they're going to make the finals. So I, I understand sports. I know there's always going to be one team that's weaker. I don't want that to be DC tried it, but as a league, we cannot have these teams being so much um, of that right. huge difference between Cali Condors and DC Trident. It cannot be that much. And so um, as a league, as GMs, I'm really proud to say that we had some very productive meetings when we were in Budapest, how we can make the recruiting process uh, beneficial for all teams across the board moving forward. How can we make um, DC Trident stronger? How can we make Alka Centurion stronger? The fact that hopefully we'll be getting out of pandemic should just help us be stronger as it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely... The, the, the ball is moving in the right direction as far as how the league can stay competitive. Cause who wants to watch a blowout? Even the Super Bowl. I don't want to watch a blowout. Uh, I'm just like, I'm over it. Like I'm just going to hit the snack bar instead. You know what I mean? So I feel like um, moving forward, I know where my holes are. I know where my weaknesses are and I know I need to strengthen those. Um, and I really need to get athletes that can specialize in more than one or two events. Who wants to watch the Fondra free? Or the 800 free. Who wants to to watch the 400 or the 800? I know that's your events, but yeah, well, I get that for sure. I mean, I I totally get that. I mean, it's so crazy because I I agree. I mean, I will agree, but at the same time, one of my favorite races from last season was the 400 men, the men's 400 freestyle because when Zane Grothy and Velimir tied, it's like who ties in a 400? But obviously, that was exciting to me because it was my team, it was my guys. but if you're watching a sport, you want to see a close race, right? right. So it's like doesn't get much closer than tying the 800. I that's going to be challenging. But if you have Katie Ledecky in the league and you're throwing down all these crazy new rules that it's not just a straight 800, maybe we get into it more, right? So um, again, I think that's what's so great about this league is that we're trying to be different. We're trying to change things up. We're trying to be fresh. We know the 800 is not fun to watch. Sorry, Katie, like, love you. And I was an 800. I get it, you know, but let's be realistic. You know, as like a business side of, of business side of things, the entertainment side of things, I understand that. But I think there is a way to make it more exciting. Swim the but- 350. That's why he's found his 350. Now I get it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh my God. That too. That too. See, who says the 400's not exciting? <laughs> First of all, you know the 800 not exciting is going to be a soundbite that Luke is going to clip now. <laughs> on here constantly whenever we have a distance somewhere on. But we're talking about constantly what's going to happen next with the league, what's going to happen next. But I'm intrigued to learn how the league started from what you understand, how you were approached to become a GM, and how being a GM does work. Are you guys under contracts? What are your responsibilities? Those types of things. Responsibility, everything. Yeah, yeah, um, figured as much. Like, <laughs> um, like I literally run our team from everything as small as getting their t-shirt sizes to their taxes. You know what I mean? Like I don't do their taxes, but like making sure they get their deadlines. <laughs> but I do their contracts. I do the recruiting. I get the staff. I do the merchandise. I do the social media. I do the accountant. Or I do the accounting with an accountant. Um, I do sponsorship. I do branding with people at the league. Um, all the COVID testing that they had to do prior, I had to sort that through. Um, I have to get their airports, their destination, where they need to go afterwards, their baking info. I got them paid. Um, I GMs literally, we do it all. We really wow. do. And um, it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard, but it's amazing for our sport. It's amazing for these athletes. Um, something that I take personally is that I really want to try to help our athletes build their brands. Cause a lot of them are clueless. A lot of them don't have managers. A lot of them don't have agents. Um, a lot of them don't love social media. I mean, if you're not Cody Miller, you're really not crushing social media that hard. Um, and so just trying to give them content and ideas and, you know, encourage them to be consistent on it. Like, you know, right now there's not a lot of money in swimming as far as like um, contracts and apparel deals and whatnot. So it's like, can we help elevate that? Can we help you? Like a lot of them, I had to get them race suits. 
you know, making calls, asking for favors. Like, can I get you an all black swimsuit? You know, I'm, I'm placing all the cap orders. I'm connecting with all the orders to get the caps. Like literally the GMs, we do it all. Um, so it is, it's overwhelming. It's, it's really challenging, but as a GM, I need to start figuring out how we can start getting sponsors and money. So I can start hiring and having a staff. I mean, obviously I have a staff that's a coaching staff, right? So they come just for the meet and they help for the meet. Um, I'm fortunate that I had an amazing team manager this past year. That is also a dear friend of mine is just very passionate about the sport. And we grew up together. We grew up swimming together. So she actually did take a lot. Um, she's helped me a lot building up to it because she was excited and wanted to help. Um, and she's still currently like helping me like finish up the end of the year, but that's just because I have a great relationship with a solid friend, you know, like that's not something that she's going out of her way for me. Um, and DC tried it. Um, and then as far as it all came together, you know, it's my understanding that this vision or this dream really stemmed from energy standard, um, because Constantine had this team, right. But he didn't have anybody for this team to raise, um, you know, they could go to meets and represent, but like, what does that really do? It's um, like equestrian or like synchronized. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Make the league. Exactly. When you have the, the Harlem Globetrotters with yeah. the, uh, uh, who's the, who are the teams they played back when? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, obviously I know a lot of thought went into this and whatnot and he did a meet in Rome. Was that 2017, 18? You guys might know better than me. Um, and then kind of like as a trial run to kind of test it out and invited out some Americans, it was like us versus Europe or something. And then mm -hmm. Jason and Lenny came on board in 2018. And that's when I first really started hearing about it. Cause I'm dear friends with Jason and I keep in touch with Lenny pretty well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Jason and I got together for something else. Actually, I'm a partner in a fin company. So I was talking to Jason about that and, um, he, it was funny because he was trying to put a team together at that time and he was frustrated because Lenny had already come on board and already had like pretty much like the national A team on his team. And, and just like, how am I supposed to get a team if Lenny already has everybody? And I was like, oh gosh, this oh. sounds stressful. Yeah. And then everything happened with FINA. So then that didn't happen in 18 and then it got pushed to 19. And then they were like, well, let's, let's start more teams. And so um, they asked Lenny if they had, if, if Lenny knew of anybody that they thought would be a strong female leader to um, be a GM for one of the American teams. And that's when Lenny suggested myself. And then that's when my meeting started with uh, people at the league level. And then I was invited out to a league conference in, um, in Antalya, Turkey. And that's where I got offered the job. So that was uh, January of, sorry, February of 2019. Have you gotten paid? <laughs> yes. We just heard some uh, snippets about the, some late payments to vendors and everything, but do you, like, has your experience been the, the league is, uh, you know, on it when it comes to taking care of uh, athletes and staff? Yeah. You know, I will say that sometimes it's not on time, but we get it. Everybody eventually gets paid. Um, you know, it's, it's one person that is backing this whole thing financially. Um, obviously we need to make sure it's running successfully and to pay people is a big part of it. Um, but yes, I, um, I am aware that late payments happen. Uh, but I also am proud to say that the payments do eventually come through. Mm. <laughs> I want to change gears to something very quickly. Caitlin, you were on a, a, a notable relay team back in 04 that broke an East Streaming record. It was yes. not a record of time and it was, it was a completely drugged record. Um, <laughs> you said it now. I'm saying it. I didn't break it. Um, it you know, and, and it, it was the longest standing record in the books. It was about 17 years old or something. And it was, it was quite an achievement, right? Um, the, 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 the the ISL is known for not having anybody who has even tested or anything, you know. Um, but people are bending the rules. How do you feel about about what, what's your opinion now, given your GM, your other sports, about people who have maybe served their time, who have who have who have done their thing and they've served their time, they're taking their time off, they've and they've even admitted it. They've admitted yeah. to saying sorry. Should they be allowed to be in the ISL if they're like, yeah, I messed up, I didn't realize that I took that. I saved my time. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. I don't know. I, this is an excellent question. And um, I have two different opinions on it. Um, <laughs> I am very against any type of doping. And I think if you do it once you're out and mm -hmm. I really love that our league stands that firm, mm -hmm. but I also for the last two seasons have fought very hard to have Madison Cox on my team. Mm -hmm. And I fought very mm -hmm. hard to have Brian Lochte on my team. Yeah. 
Um, I do not believe that they should not be allowed into okay. this league, but at the same time, I know you can't make exceptions either. Um, and um, being in the position that I am, I respect what Constantine says. I mean, it goes all the way up to him. Um, I've pulled records with Madison Cox's mom and have really showed the evidence supporting the reason why she should be in the league. Um, and I believe Ryan even sent like a personal letter to the league asking to be in and was denied as well. And I asked Constantine again this past uh, end of last year, cause I think he'd be great for the league. Um, so yeah. I, 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 am I allowed to say that I see both sides very, very clearly? No, absolutely. That's why I asked you the question. Cause you've seen both sides and Ryan was who we thought yeah. about. So, yeah. 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 It's, it's unfortunate. I think Ryan's is the, it was just so dumb. I just cannot like literally just, if he wouldn't have put that on Instagram, we would not even be having this conversation. Uh, Madison yeah. is trickier. It's definitely trickier. And I feel so badly for her. Um, I can't even imagine. Um, but, you know, I'm also dear friends with Jessica Hardy, and she went through something very similar. And I couldn't even imagine going through that. Um, you know, even like in Jessica's um, situation, I mean, she got paid out pretty well, but I don't even think it's worth it. Like yeah. to do everything that she had to go through and what she had to lose out on and, yeah. and everything. It just, that has to be so scarring. And when it came to Madison, she, at the end, like she, she could have like uh, appealed it and even kind of gotten cleared to even be in the end. Like if she would have gone one more step further, she would have been allowed in the league. But at that point, this league wasn't around and they're just like, we just want to be over with it. We just want to be done with it. And I get that. I would have been the same way. And imagine all the mm -hmm. money that her family was putting in and just the emotional exhaustion that has to go with that. I totally get why they did that, you know? So um, I think it's a great question. Um, it's challenging for me because I do see both sides, but I'm so strongly against doping that I'm going to side with that. So, Moving her, I guess, a little lighter topic. Um, so, <laughs> you were obviously an amazing swimmer. Thank you did a lot of crazy events. What would you do in an ISL event schedule? I was actually thinking about that because I was like, I don't mean to brag, but I would be like a really good pickup for any of these teams because I swam so much. Because I could have done the 4 a.m., 4 free, 2 fly, 2 a.m. I could have been on relays. Um, I could actually throw down like a pretty solid hundred fly. Um, if my underwaters were hot, which they usually were, I could do a good hundred back. Uh, so, and two free. So, um, it, but like, it's like, look at Zach Apple. It's like, he has a gnarly day with the two free hundred free relay. It's like, I feel like I would have had that same setup where it had to be like pick and choose. I think I probably would have been that poor sucker that would have had to been both four hundreds um, for free 4am. But the thing that would have been rad about me as a pickup, it's like, cause I did do the four free 4am. You don't see that as much anymore. It's like, I do the four free or I do the 4am. There's not a lot of people that do both four free 4am. Sometimes we have to throw Zane in that. I was like, he got just, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> why do you think that is? I, that's so funny. You say that I was literally thinking right? about before this started going, you and Eric Vent are the only two that I can think My of. Mommy. I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, Phelps could have done that. I think Lochte could do that. Yeah, but those guys, the other level. <laughs> I, know they <laughs> they can do anything, right? I know, right? Um, I don't know. And I don't know if it's because, I mean, Vet and I were Schubert, right? And so, like, that's like an old school mentality. And I don't know if we're getting away from that now in training. Because I don't, I don't do coaching. And quite frankly, you guys, like, I do not really pay attention to times. Like, I know who's fast because of, like, rankings. You know, like, when it comes to actual physical times, I'm like, oh, is that good? Like, Jason's always like, oh, by the way, that's really fast. He's like, I know you don't know, but that's, like, really good. Or that's really bad. Or he'll tell me my time. He's like, Caitlin, you're actually a distant 100 freestyler. A decent 100 freestyle. I'm like, I was? He's like, yeah, look at your time. I'm like, that's good. He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Uh, that's why so Cindy tried to recruit me. Now I get it. <laughs> I know how fast I am. The market was great, yeah, the anti-Billy anti Bean. Oh. So I am, you know, it's like I work really well with Cindy because I, I am a GM that really utilizes using our head coach for recruiting because I know like because Jason knows times and stuff so well. Jason's like, boom, 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 boom. And like with me, I'm like, Cindy, what do you think? She's like, oh, let me look up this meet. Let me look, you know what I mean? And and Cindy also. But she also said that she doesn't know men's times much. But but she is a quick learn. Like she uh, like she was very honest with that from the beginning. And mm -hmm. then like by like second season, she was like so into it. But Cindy yeah. also like has such great relationships with coaches that she would reach out to coaches. So if we were thinking of this swimmer, she would go to the college coach or the coach that she knows that they're training with. 
And a lot of it was because, again, in 2020, it's like, we don't know what this person's doing. Like, where are they doing? Are they in a pool? Are they only, like, doing weights? Like, do they have a coach right now? So Cindy really did her, her um, kind of like her her research, you know? And, and for us, too, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit. Like, quality of character really meant a lot, too. You know, like, we didn't want to have any drama, any divas, any divos. Like, people that were going to be committed to the team idea like we asked coaches, like, is this a good pickup? Is this a good human being? Like, are they going to fit our culture? Well, like we, that, that means a lot to us. Are they good role models? Um, are they going to be, you know, somebody that we're going to be excited to suggest to you guys to have on your show? Like we wanted people that um, represented DC Trident's, um, you know, um, team culture. You, um, you know, Natalie very well, obviously. And she's from last year, Natalie, right. Uh, You know, and she's from last year. Has, did she talk to you about, you know, did you guys imagine what it'd be like if she swam ISL in her prime? Oh, oh my gosh. I know. I know. And I was like, cause for season, so season one was so rad to have her, right? Like the coolest ever. And then I was like, knowing Natalie, she'll get like really competitive and get really fired up for season two and start training. And she's like, Caitlin, I'm pregnant. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to- <laughs> was it like with emotion or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, somebody or like Missy Franklin, uh, Elizabeth Beisel. I mean, there's there's all these people. I was like, oh, should I reach out? Like maybe because because like Natalie, like when I reached out to her, she's like, I I never said I was done. Like I, she's like, look at this interview. I said I wanted to go to fun meets. There's no fun meets like for her level, right? And so when I told her about this, she's like, this is exactly what I wanted to do, you know. And so it was like, had this been around, like. Maybe you're like, yeah, I'm done trying to train for the Olympics, but maybe you're like, well, I'm going to try to Keep be, fat, be recruited. Yeah. You know, who knows? I, I think it will be interesting to see what people do, especially off the Olymp- after the Olympics. And people are like, okay, I'm done. It's time to get a talk. Yeah. Good luck, by the way, right now. But, or is it like, you know, I'm going to train through, try to get, you know, GM's attention, get on a team and let's go travel the world and make some money. Like I would pick that, especially like, how old are these guys? 24, 25? Like, yeah. Nothing. Who would have been the best ISL swimmer in their in their peak? Luke, who do you have? Oh, you mean somebody? Hold on. Somebody, Wait, like at their era, if ISL was around, who would have dominated the most against their era? And I want this to be a gender agnostic discussion. That's what I love about the ISL. It's it's a gender agnostic. And right, well, give us your answer, Corklins. Ask you, Tracy. Tracy. Who? Tracy Corklins. Huh. This is so hard. Hmm. That's why I'm going last. You guys all go before me, so I can get here. Inga De Bruin. Oh wow, you guys are really. I am a good. Tracy can do the. I am Tracy can go to two and the four. Tracy can go to the one, and she can go to breaststroke because she had two. Inga didn't have the. I am in her. I don't know. No, but she was she was versatile on free and fly, and I feel like That's that covers a lot of what's. And who who's going to jackpot? Are we considering that too? Jackpot their era. Who is dominating their era as well? Aren't you as like a clean athlete, skin. though. Sorry, what was that? Aren't you maybe a clean athlete? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I this is just like too obvious. I mean, I'm going to pick Phelps. Yeah. Another thing about Phelps, which we sort of talked about. Even if it wasn't his best event, he's so freaking competitive that he'd make sure he beat you. You know, like he just flips the switch and he's like, I'm taking you down. Like, even if you're like, okay, I'm gonna put him in the hunter brush stroke, like he still would have like given it like a go. He is just so competitive and he is such a gamer. And I think even like skins, he would be like, okay, like put me in it. Cause he would wanna win that, right? He'd wanna be the star. He'd wanna like take it down. I just think across the board, he can swim every event well enough to throw down in ISL. He's a total package. Uh, he's- <laughs> Am I going to get one of those? <laughs> yes. No one wants to watch State Hunter free. Was that the quote? Oh, <laughs> uh, you guys. Don't want- me all day. <laughs> what did he say? Oh, me all day. Nailed it? Me, me all day. We asked him who's the best on the water kicker. Me all day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> who's, the, who's the fastest in the world of 15 meters? Yeah. He's so good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Hey, I, I can't let you get out of here without asking you about being in this, um, the, the Madam Butterfly uh, against <laughs> the race. 
And I mean, you were in the pool, but I don't know. I guess maybe the best question is like, did that? How did that impact you in your swimming career? Because you were a teenager. Were you seventeen? Yeah, I was seventeen, and I was on a, a very small club team. So, little backstory: like, I was way more into soccer than I was into swimming when I was younger. Um, but my swim coaches were more um, what's the right word? like persistent about like, Hey, you should really start swimming more. You should really like think about maybe phasing out soccer. And I was like, Oh, I love soccer. And I was really good at soccer. I was probably equally as good at soccer as I was in swimming. Um, but when I was younger, I was really, really tiny. So I got just kind of beat up a lot, like bruised ribs. Cause it was really aggressive. And I was just like, go. And I was just like on the floor, like on the grass more than I was like on my feet. So then I was starting to get hurt a little bit more. And my swim coaches were like, Hey, you should like really consider about like maybe being done with soccer and commit more to swimming. And I was like, Ooh, really? Like, like when I was younger, like my goal was to make world cup. Like I wasn't like Olympics. Nice. It's like, I want to play soccer in the world cup. Yeah. And then when I slowly but surely started going, um, to be more serious on the, on the swimming side. I was already, I went to a club team that was more laid back in Southern California because they allowed me to play soccer and swim. So that when I gave up soccer, I just stayed on this small club team and then ended up having success there and just never left. But I didn't really have that, um, that huge team culture or teammates that were at like all these big meets together. Like I would go to nationals and be one of two or just myself after the girl graduated. So then when I got to the Olympic team and started to experience, again, that team camaraderie and the pride and um, just the honor that we had to be surrounded by each other and really getting to know somebody and then to be in that race. And I think I, you know, have, I've compared it to before, like, you're going to have races in your life that like, are more exciting just to have said that you were in it because of something special your teammate accomplished more than yourself. You know, so when I look back on my swimming career, I was like, oh, I'm really proud of my 400 IM and the 200 fly. I got sixth. Like I wasn't even in like the video frame, like when Missy was finishing, but I was so proud to be her teammate and to experience her joy with her. Like she literally was in shock. Like she didn't believe the scoreboard when she saw it. And I like had to like, you, yes, yes, you won. It was like shaking her, you know? So there's yeah. one of the races where like, it wasn't like my best race or it wasn't exciting for me, but it was so exciting to be her teammate in that race. And, and it was just, um, I remember getting out of the pool and like the, the, USA area was just going nuts. And I specifically remember Phelps had like kind of like fallen over somebody that like fell over like the barricade and just like shit's going everywhere. And it's just like, oh my God, it was just like, such a scene, you know? And so it was just so funny that like this like 16, what was Michael? 15 and a half or 16 year Everything was just like, it was chaos. And it was, it was crazy because my mom and dad and my sister and my brother-in-law were there. And my brother-in-law said that it was like, eerie silent after that because it was like oh my gosh like yeah I, I was in the crowd i was in the stands watching okay and, and and like, like, australia had just beaten the u.s in the four by one earlier Susie was was the queen of swimming swimming in australia there do you remember downtown there was a entire skyscraper with a picture of thorpe just oh. a skyscraper and I remember being on Bondi Beach at a rap party and, and Misty was there because a good friend is from Trinidad who saw him in Trinidad. And I remember her just being so chill and laid back. Like she was just so humble about it. I was like, you just defrauded a country. <laughs> you know what you just did? Yeah. I looked up to her, was shaking her. <laughs> and then, but I saw recently though, oh, I saw, it was really sad. I saw recently that Susie had like a, an interview about how crushing that was for her and everything that went on afterwards. And then I like really bad, you know, and to be in this country, I'm like, but I know it's sports and I know that's how it goes, but it's like, that's not how it is for America. Right. Like we're like cool for like a minute when we get home and it's like, next. yeah. And then, but for their culture and for their country and for their sport, I mean, that was a scarring race for her, you know? And so it, it's like, I am, I'm very competitive, but I'm very compassionate. So when I, when I learned of that, it almost like makes me feel bad, you know? Cause like that made Misty's life and it was really cool for me. And that like really was a challenging time in Susie's life, you know, to have such extremes, uh -huh. but she got second, she got a silver medal at the yeah. Olympics. 
things. Like my, my proudest moment in my swimming career is a silver medal, you know? So it's like, it's perspective. Yeah, imagine somebody told you when you're six years old, when you grow up, you're going to get a silver medal in the Olympics. You're going to be happy with that. But it's how your how your how your changes. By the way, we do have something of you. Um. Cindy and I will be right there in the front, leading the cheers, and I, the assistant coaches are gonna have to be scrambling and running around and making sure. That <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. That's dumb. No, it's, no but we're talking to Cindy, and we just had something of you talking about being a cheerleader with Cindy and the energy. But I do have something of you, so it's a warning. It will. <laughs> okay. No, 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 that's why we had to get you on for a full link so we could have a little bit more content. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. It was crazy why we're there. It's like, I felt like I was going to have all this downtime and we really did it. And I think like, as you guys heard, I mean, the GM does so much that it's just, it's constant. There's always something, you know, it's like the first day we get there within like the first three hours, I'm getting all these texts, like my Wi-Fi is not working. My room's hot. My refrigerator's not working. I'm like, Open your door. The Wi-Fi will get fixed. Like, oh turn on <laughs> Yeah. If any of my team's watching, you guys know I was not thrilled. <laughs> Everybody goes to bed and we just, we try this tomorrow. You know, we just had the craziest travel day. I will wow. not, I'm not even joking or exaggerating when I say the day that everybody traveled was the hardest day of my professional career because about 85% of my team had issues getting out because Whoa. Things that the airlines were doing yeah. that was not what we were set up for. So my flight wasn't until like 5 p.m. So I was going to sleep in. I was going to finish packing. My mom and my sister, my dad were going to come over for lunch. My husband was going to like, you know, we had this whole thing planned. And I woke up at 7. My phone did not stop until I got to LAX that day with travel issues. I was talking to gate agents. I I had crying swimmers on the phone. I had swimmers that were missing flights. I had some swimmers running to catch flights. I had swimmers that had teammates holding flights for them to get. It was a mess. And so then we finally get there and then we get to the room and then it was like, this is wrong. This is wrong. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Wow. I say that. Whoa. <laughs> like, oh shoot, what was that? It's too fast. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The first 32 hours of the camp was so sloppy, but then every single day got better. I'm like actually really, really proud of how successful this camp was because there was a long time I didn't think the camp was going to happen. And I was worried that if it did happen, what we got there, what it would look like. But it was very impressive. It was very sure. well. Yeah. It all went well. It seemed like everyone had a good time. I mean, COVID cases were as good as I think it could be. Right. So I think looking at the big. Yeah picture of it, it it's amazing it, it went as well as it did i agree and there was fast swimming um you know yeah. and i didn't know what to expect i really did not understand like like are we gonna swim fast you know and we had some people that swim amazing and again there are some people that didn't and but they know it you know and um i had to have like a pretty like honest raw conversation with our teams and like look dc trident can't be in the bottom of the barrel again moving forward like there's some of you that won't make the cut and it's nothing personal. Cause I personally really, really liked everybody. And that's, that's hard. It's hard being a GM and it's hard for me because I'm a very friendly person that really believes in relationships and um, people in general. And it's like, it's going to be hard to be like, sorry, you didn't cut it, but sports, we got to be competitive and there's going to be a fast crop of seniors coming out from NC2As and um, it's going to be competitive. Go get the draft going. Yeah, exactly. You need to draft Trident on top or whatever that thing. How do you do it? Trident up. Trident up. The hand signals were like the biggest, like we had to have one. And I'm like, guys, I can't, this is the one thing I cannot be in charge of. Okay. So I made the captains be in charge of it. <laughs> oh, Caitlin, thanks for hanging out with us. We'd love to do it again sometime. Cheers. Absolutely. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Be well. Yeah. Thank you. Bye.